0: As you probably know, May is Asian-American Pacific Islander Month. And I'll confess, I did not know until this year that that was a thing. I, of course, know February is Black History Month, but uh, I did not know that May is uh, a month set aside to um, think about and and really learn more about and center the voices of people um, in the Asian-American Pacific Islander community. Um, you know, one of the things that... I think every Christian should understand, and it's certainly something that um, Christians have had to come to grips with, especially um, uh, white Christians in this past year, is that when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. And in, in, in this past year, uh, what has come to the surface is something that's always been there, is that even in our country, um, when we talk about racism, uh, often we make the mistake and talk about it in black versus white, um, and, and, or, or if we go bef- uh, further than that, we might talk about um, uh, the, the Hispanic or the Latino, Latina, Latinx population, or we might talk about Native Americans. And um, I think often we leave out and are silent and or are ignorant about um, those who are from um, Asian descent, and so I, what I would like to do is recommend to you, uh, and, I, and I, I mean like highly recommend to you uh, a video that I uh, just watched. Uh, Christianity Today um, at the end of April did a, like a panel with Asian American pastors from around the country and uh, invited them to like, share their experiences uh, of how they're doing personally, how they're doing in their neighborhood, what, what they're, how they're uh, handling this stuff in their churches, And um, it was so uh, enlightening to me, Jake as well. And uh, I want to highly commend it to you. So uh, in this video, we will have a link to this um, website you can go to where you can watch this. It's about an hour and 10 minutes long. Um, I'll admit I did not want to watch it because it's like, that's a long video. But after watching it, uh, I I just can't tell you enough how valuable it is. Um, one of the things that I've been encouraged to do um, by the Lord in this last year is, um, and this is May of 2021 when I'm recording this, and I'm remembering of May of 2020, of how that was really the month that really brought into our country um, a new level of uh, racial reckoning. Um, something that I felt the Lord immediately tell me to do last May, a year ago, was to do three things let start with the letter L because I'm a pastor. That's how I hear God speak to me is in alliteration. And it was to listen. You know, like guys like me, uh, our job is to talk a lot. And I, what I felt the Lord say is, Drew, you need to listen. You need to listen to the experiences of others, the lived experiences of people who don't look like you or vote like you. To uh, lament, which is something I don't like to do, and to learn. And so those three L's, I've mentioned that several times. uh, Listen, (laughs) uh, lament, and learn. And so for the last year, I've been trying to do that as best as I can, is to listen to the experiences of anyone who's not like me, and even people who are like me. But I want to listen before I rush to judgments. And I want to lament. I want to grieve. I want to enter into the suffering of my brothers and sisters in Christ, and even those who aren't believers, and um, how they move through this world. And, and I want to learn. Uh, I've got so much, even now, to learn about um, these things. So I want to offer that to you. If you've never heard of the three L's, listen, lament, learn. I want to offer that to you. And this month, I want to encourage you, not just this month, but, but ongoing, to uh, listen and lament and learn from uh, Asian Americans and, and Pacific Islanders and what their experience is. And so um, I want to say, I think uh, it should be this video that, that I watch. I think it should be required for any Christian, any Christian leader, any pastor, because it it, it is a gift to um, the wider body of Christ. A couple of things I want to just highlight to you that I wrote down. Um, also, if, you, if you're if you Googling it, it's called Enough is Enough, Asian American Pastors on Speaking Truth. It's from Christianity Today. you can google that but we'll have a link in this video if you want to click onto it and then there's on the website I think there's a bunch of um, resources you can jump to from there Um, one of the things that they mentioned in this webinar is that this is none of this is new I know like for people like me um, it's like new to us but uh, what has happened in COVID has just been it coming to the surface in a, a, a another way and in a more public way because of the coronavirus. Um but but the 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 hatred and, and, and the bigotry and uh the pain that the Asian American um community feels isn't new. Um it's been going on for for you know hundreds of years. Um something that I did not know that was really um shocking to me is uh, these pastors were, were talking about in their churches how um, as, um, as COVID restrictions loosen and as people are sending their kids back to school, um, in high rates, the people, at least the people in their church, um, uh, Asian Americans are, are, are reluctant and, and are slow to send their kids back to school and, and it will actually keep them in distance learning. Um, not for fear of the coronavirus, but in an not, sh- not sure how their kid is going to get treated at school. And I know I was thinking of last fall when our school opened up, like Shari and I were like, get out of the house, like go. And it really broke my heart to to hear. And this is the, the listening and the learning and the lamenting that, that there are um, uh, Asian American parents in our country who would probably prefer their kid to go in person to school, but because of the increase of anti-Asian sentiment in our country have, have actually said, no, we're, gonna, we're actually gonna have to make this hard choice of working and schooling our kids at home because we fear for their safety and, and what might happen to them emotionally or psychologically or even physically. That was something I learned and I did not know that. Uh, another thing is that off that grieves me as well is that um the pain, the this deep pain is often erased. Um one example of this is in the uh in the Atlanta uh massacre that happened, uh, I think maybe seven, eight, nine weeks ago, um almost immediately there is this like, let's not talk, let's not call it a massacre. It wasn't racially motivated. I think I I remember watching it, and I I, I believe either the media or a police chief I forget who said it, but I remember seeing someone on TV go. He was having a bad day. The shooter was having a bad day. Um, and 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 one of the things that a, a pastor who's actually um in that community in Atlanta, like physically, um he he mentioned that um the church that this the shooter went to is directly across the street from his kid's school. Oh so he's like his the church he pastors is like right there. Um he found it so offensive and hurtful that immediately the conversation went to giving the benefit of the doubt to this white shooter and how pretty pretty quickly we've moved beyond um what happened to um all the victims at these um massage parlors. And so um, it was as a pastor, eye-opening to hear another pastor who's Asian in an Asian church in Atlanta talk about the um, their experience. Um, and I just want, I can't commend it highly enough. Um, you know, often we don't hear um, Asian voices speaking up. It, it's something that, I mean, I my wife's Asian and she's quiet. And I, I understand how most, uh, a lot of Asian culture can be like, what's expected is for them to be quiet. And so um, it was such a gift to hear Asian pastors actually speak and speak the truth. And and to do it in love and, and with grace, but to also do it grieving, it was truly remarkable. So I can't uh, commend this video um, enough. Uh, something often that they, they mentioned, and one of the questions was, what happens when someone says, hey, you're being political or you're, you're getting hijacked because of the left's agenda? And it, it was amazing to hear these pastors just say, this isn't political, this is personal. This is about the imago day, the image of God being assaulted. Um, you know, to say you're colorblind and that you don't see my skin is, to, is offensive, and to say you don't see the image of God in me, you know, it was so profound to, to hear. Uh, these asian american voices um, who 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 are christian and like i think all of them had like very high uh, all of them had higher seminary degrees than i have um, i don 't have a seminary degree it it was um amazing to to hear their experience so i i just want to highly commend that to you um, there 's so much i could say um but i i just want to encourage you as as your pastor to um uh our our world tends to want to politicize things or make these about this is the left or this is the right, or this is an agenda. And like, I want to just continue to commend to you. um, This is a kingdom of God issue. This is a gospel of Jesus Christ issue. Um, It's hard to read the old Testament and not come away with the fact that God cares for the foreigner and the immigrant and uh, those on the underside of power, the oppressed. I read Psalm 68 today. God is the the father to the fatherless, the defender of the widow. And so um, I just want to again encourage you as this is the month of May and as we continue to um, bring um, the gospel to bear on um, the, the the racial sin and the hatred and the othering that is in our country. I don't know how you can deny it. To, um, to resist the political narratives, if, if, if that is a, a hang-up for you, and to, to say that this is actually an image of God issue, this is a love-your-neighbor issue, this is a biblical issue, this is a gospel issue, this is a kingdom-of-heaven issue. And how can we look at this from that standpoint? Because that's, that's, what, that's what I'm doing, that's what we're doing. And so, again, if, if at all I know we have many um, in our congregation who um, are, are Asian-American and, and uh, I want to highly commend this video to you, but but even if you're not Asian American, and in particular, if you're white like me, um, I would encourage you to um, make some space this week, schedule an hour for you, the Lord, and your laptop to listen. Hey, that's five L's, Jake, the Lord, your laptop, and listen, <laughs> lament, and learn, um, how the body, ups? I can't, it, this thing, it writes itself, you know, um, but in particular as a pastor to hear my other um, Asian brothers and sisters and, and fellow pastors and how they're hurting and grieving um, is very profound on, on me and I want to commend it to you. So uh, I'd love to just pray and then we'll get into our message today. Father, we need your help. And uh, even as I share this, I know that whoever is watching and hearing um, is going to have some reaction, there will be some trigger, there will be some emotion. And God, I pray that you would use that emotion, that feeling, to highlight where you are seeking to work in their formation and in their discipleship to become more like you. Lord, we reject the ways of this world, including the ways of the politics of this world, that often shift and change based on people's opinions. We reject the ways of our flesh, the self-life that seeks to preserve what we have. We reject pride and arrogance. We reject asking who's our neighbor, and we reject um, the world, the flesh. We reject the devil. We reject the kingdom of hell. And we we ask that you would bring your kingdom of heaven, your rule and reign, your vision for what life can look like on this earth. We pray that from the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I pray for um, all churches. We pray for the Asian American church around the country and even in our city that has a very unique lived experience that we don't have. God, I pray you would surround them with your presence and your kindness and that you would meet them and comfort them. And Lord, I pray for churches like ours that are predominantly white, um, that you would help us to get past the the blockages that, that man or woman or politics or the world or, or the enemy has put in the way to keep us from seeing um, the people group that you are making in your new family. Lord, help us, uh, even help me to listen well, to to not listen to respond, but to actually listen to understand. Help us, God, to to lament and to enter into that 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 spiritual discipline of grieving what grieves you, uh, weeping, how you wept, and God help us to um, to learn and to know, like, functionally, how we can be godly, loving, helpful brothers and sisters um, to everybody. Um, but this day and this month, we specifically ask, help us to be great neighbors, godly neighbors to our Asian American brothers and sisters inside of our church and outside of our church. It is really, God, uh, not, we don't ask these things so that we would be woke or that someone would approve of us. But God, we ask these things so that your name would be lifted up so that your um, name would be more renowned, that it would be more hallowed, that you would get more of the glory, and that the world could look at your church and see how we love one another in ways that they don't love one another, and that ultimately it would give you glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Hey, y'all, I'm so happy to be with you via screen today. I'm also excited to get to see you face face to face right here uh, back at Hawthorne, June 6th. Put in the calendar. I'm really excited, really looking forward to it. All of our staff is uh, volunteers, uh, the whole kit and caboodle. We're excited. Uh, Well, today we find ourselves at the end of our short but sweet series on Psalm 23. And as I reflect back on the one thing that I've taken away uh, week after week is that The Lord Jesus is a good and caring and intentional shepherd. He's the very best shepherd. Now, as any good sheep ranchers will tell you, a shepherd is usually only as good as the dogs that she or he has with them. Um, There's various types and breeds of dogs that are used all over the world for sheep herding. There's Shetland sheepdogs, Collie sheepdogs, Icelandic sheepdogs, Uh, and Australian sheepdogs, just to name a few of the different types, each with their own unique physical attributes and personality traits that make them ideal partners for shepherds. There might even be a spot for a pig or two as well. And yes, Babe is a top five movie for me all time. No joke, dude. That will do, pig. That will do. Thank you. But really, these dogs are amazingly agile and attentive creatures that are built to herd, lead, and protect. Most sheepdogs will naturally lay down their lives to protect the flock, sometimes fighting wolves or mountain lions to the death. But I want to share a story with you that exemplifies another way that sheepdogs have cared for the created ecosystem in which they live. In 2017, some of you may remember, Chile experienced some disastrous wild and forest fires. Uh, the country lost about one4 million acres in total that year. Some of you may remember that firefighters responded to the crisis from various other countries uh, in a concerted effort to control and kill the fires. Well, one Chilean shepherd had an idea for how to revive the burnt and charred landscape of her homeland. And as a shepherd, she understood that her dogs, her border collies, love to work, but they also love to run and play. Her idea was this, create harness bags that her dogs could wear as they ran. And then she filled the bags with tree and plant seeds. She'd then take her dogs for country outings in the ravaged landscape. With small holes strategically placed on the sides of the bags, these seeds would spill out onto the once lush forest floor as the dogs ran and played. They were experiencing joy and leaving behind them a trail of seeds that would one day bring new life. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, as we wrap up our time in Psalm 23 today, we find ourselves posed with a statement and a sort of question kind of wrapped up in one. David has led us through the reality in this psalm of a sheep's life and circumstances while at the same time revealing to us the inner workings of a shepherd's work. What's amazing is that if we step back just far enough, we are given an amazing image of Jesus leading us, his flock, through life. This leads us to looking more deeply into two things regarding this verse today. One, what does it mean for goodness and mercy to follow us all the days of our lives? Two, what does it look like for us to leave behind goodness and mercy wherever we go in life? Now, let me ask you something. Do you feel like goodness and mercy have followed you over the last 14 months? Okay, what about the last five years? How about the last 10 years? Did you feel like you were being followed by goodness and mercy when you lost the job? Or what about when you would lie awake at night desperately wondering how you were going to pay the bills? Or what about those moments where you were hit with the reality that those people you called friends weren't really friends after all? Or what about when you had to watch your loved ones slowly fade away into illness or addiction As W. Philip Keller put it, these are the sort of times that test a person's confidence in the care of Christ. He goes on to say, these are the occasions during which the chips are down and life is more than a list of pious platitudes. When my little world is falling apart and the dream castle of my ambitions and hopes crumble into ruin, can I honestly say, surely, yes, surely, goodness and love Will follow me all the days of my life? Or is this sheer humbug and a maddening mockery? I think what we had to do as believers at this point is put our remembering hats on. The ancient Jewish people were notoriously bad at remembering. As they were in the desert, just as an example, they were constantly forgetting that God was for them and working things out for their good. In Exodus, not only do they become forgetful about how bad things were in Egypt, but they also quickly forget about how God is caring for them in the midst of their hardship and distress. Uh, Birds and manna on the ground? Yeah. Now, this isn't to say that we have to be perfect in remembering the Lord when our lives are falling apart around us. Um... No, it's, it's not some call to be pious, robotic Christians that negate true and deep emotions and feelings just so it can seem that we have it all together. No, it's a call to remember, maybe even after the dust of our hurt has settled, that Jesus is for us and was guiding us all along in those things. He was there shepherding us along paths of righteousness, keeping us safe in his arms. And then what if, we, what if we stretched out a little bit theologically and asked a question that most of us may not have ever pondered before? Can God meet me in my emotions and feelings? The answer is yes. Jesus knew all about connecting with his emotional state. In the Gospel of Luke, he stops on a hillside before entering the city of Jerusalem and weeps over the city and those people were all... Uh, familiar with and have read this portion of Jesus's life and journey to the cross a hundred times. But what happened uh, there? What was wrapped up in those tears? Remember, this weeping in the Greek is described with words like wailing and sobbing. So what about Jesus's emotions? Well, the Greek also leads us to the types of emotions that would typically be associated with the word wept. It's tied directly to words like mourning, pain, grief, and lamentation. So, if Jesus' own Father, God, can meet him in his emotional distress on a hillside outside of Jerusalem, do you believe that he can meet you in your emotions as well? And this is where we circle back and see how the goodness and mercy of God do follow us all the day of our lives. It's here in our remembrance of God's goodness, that we can confidently say that, no, it's not all a bunch of maddening mockery, as Keller put it. It's a truth that our God abides with us deeply in our celebrations and our trials, bestowing upon us his goodness and mercy. Now, like those forest-planting sheepdogs, this verse asks us, And points us to a reality where we too are called to leave behind goodness and mercy. But what does that look like? How how do we actually do that in real life? Again, let's go to our verse for the day. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This verse is a signpost pointing us to a life in which our footsteps become a trail of goodness and mercy that we leave in our wake. That was and is the way of Jesus, and so, too, it should be ours as well. Okay, you ready? You and me, right here. It's honesty time. I can tend to be, from time to time, a somewhat loud, center of attention kind of person. I like to say the funny thing or make the quick joke or use my loudness to center myself. In high school, it got me attention and laughs and maybe even a date or two, maybe. But as an adult, it's different. I notice the polite smiles that are really saying, I kind of want to call you out right now, but we're in public, so I won't. I realize that it can sometimes make people uncomfortable or even hurt them. And in turn, that hurts me. And then round and round we go. God is constantly working on and in me to create a heart, a mind, a spirit, and a body that leave trails of goodness and mercy, not awkwardness and hurt or pain. That's my confession to you today. I hope that it helps you feel like you know me a little bit better. I can be a bull in a china shop, true, honest statement, here, me, before you, laying it out there. But it's hard sharing those things, as I'm sure most of you know. It's these things that we need weeded out of us so that we can make room for other healthy things to move in. Let me ask you this. When you have a conflict with a family member, do you go into that conflict thinking that you're going to leave behind goodness, mercy, and love? Or do you tend to leave behind hurts and woundedness? I think it's a great opportunity to check ourselves In Genesis 6, we read that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Now, hold on a second. We know that this is a pre-flood statement, but it speaks to something that God wants to teach us and lead us to, a truth that when we as sheep stray away from our good shepherd, we are capable of some really bad stuff. That's true of sheep in the field as well. An untended herd of sheep can destroy an overgrazed land to such a degree that nothing will ever grow there again. But that's not a death sentence that we are forced to live into. No. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. These sound like the adjectives that I want trailing behind me as I go through life. These are the footsteps that I want people to be able to follow. These are the breadcrumbs that I want to leave behind for my children and my family and my friends. A trail and a life of goodness and mercy. Remember how I mentioned that poorly shepherded herd and how it can destroy land beyond repair? While well, the opposite is also true, a herd of sheep that is tended to, cared for, fed the right things, and wisely guided can help land flourish in ways that it never could have otherwise. Land that is grazed by well-tended herds are commonly some of the most beautiful and pristine that you'll ever see. Are you seeing the parallels here? We as God's children, being shepherded by Jesus, have a chance to change the world around us in the name of his kingdom. We can care for and live within the fields that Jesus leads us to, and when we depart those places, leave goodness and mercy behind. But what are some of those places? What about your home, your place of work, your church? What about the hearts of your family members? What about the relational landscape that you have with your spouse or your children, your significant other? This leads us to a place where we are forced to look inward and take inventory of how we interact with others, how we react to stress, how we respond to differences in opinion in others, or how we speak and convey what we think and believe to others. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, It's just a small portion of the many things that make up how we enter, interact in, and exit a space. In his book, Wounded Healer, Henry Nouwen says, those who can articulate the movements of their inner lives, who can give names to their varied experiences, need no longer be victims of themselves, but are able slowly and consistently to remove the obstacles that prevent the spirit from entering. They're able to create space for the spirit, whose heart is greater than their own, whose eyes see more than their own and whose hands can heal more than their own. The point I'm driving towards here and that and is writing about is that knowing who we are and whose we are gives us immense power, allowing us to be people who depart, leaving places covered in goodness and mercy. When we leave a place, leaving behind an aroma of love, something that is pleasant that trails behind us in our wake. That's this verse. That is what we're shown in this precious Psalm, gifted to us by God through the hands of David, that like Jesus, our very presence can be a blessing to people. Us being present in a place, inside of a physical space, can bring the kingdom of God near. So again, our two questions. One, What does it mean for goodness and mercy to follow us all the days of our lives? Two, what does it look like for us to leave behind goodness and mercy everywhere we go in our life? Well, I think it's the sum of these two things. Uh, Something along the lines of, in all things and at all times, remember that God is with you, handing over fistfuls of goodness and mercy. And remember also that it's our life's great work to go out loving others, leaving trails of goodness and mercy behind us. And I hope that we will also remember as Christ's flock traveling the countryside of his life to trust his leading, listen for his voice and do as he does. And at the end of the day, listening to the thud of his staff on the path, follow him back to our home back to the safety of our stone-walled pasture, where He watches over us as we sleep, our Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Let me now, as we finish our time in Psalm 23, read this chapter over you. Uh, If you'd like, you can read along with me in your Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your presence and how you are always with us in all of our trials, in the turmoil of the day, in our joy and in our happiness, in the celebratory times as well as our times of lament. Help us to be a people that remember your goodness and mercy and how they follow us and are with us. Lord, also help us to be those who leave behind goodness and mercy wherever we go. Help goodness and mercy to be the landscape on which we stand when we interact with others. We love you. Thank you for today. Amen.